Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you guys for being a part online. Welcome to Grape Top Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. Today, we're going to be continuing our series in the agony of worship. The agony of worship and uh, today's message is called The Right Thing. The Right Thing. And all throughout this series, uh, I don't know what baby that is. It sounds like mine. I'm like, um, that we've been going through this series talking about worship and how worship is so much more than just singing and singing and swaying. And in today's message, I want us to sh- see how doing the right thing is an incredible form of worship. I want us to look at the life of David again. And we're going to look in a moment where David was being chased down by Saul. Uh, and Saul, David served Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. David was um, one of his greatest warriors. And Saul became jealous of David and started chasing him down to kill him out of pure jealousy, out of envy. And in this moment, while David was on the run, he ended up uh, attracting other people that were just misfits in society. And he built up this small army, a renegade army of misfits and were really just nomads traveling from place to place as they were fleeing from Saul and his uh, actual army, full army. And in this moment, we see David and his crew hiding in a cave and Saul comes uh, looking for him, doesn't realize that they're in the cave. We're picking up in 1 Samuel chapter 24, starting in verse 1. And it says, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. Saul chose, so Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes from sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. That means like poop or pee. But as it happened, what is the Hebrew meaning behind relieve himself? Uh, But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. "Now, Now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. Notice that these are his men, his, his friends, the people that he's close to, trying to tell him what God is telling him to do. And so David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe, but said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed for the Lord himself had chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. And after Saul had left the cave and gone on the way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. And then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy. 
back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you. Even though you have been hunting me, hunting for me to kill me, may the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. So this is a really powerful story that we see David refusing to kill even his enemies, uh, specifically the king of Israel, because his conscience was bothered and he did not want to kill the king of his homeland, even though the king had made himself an enemy. I want us to start off with this first point, which is an opportunity to grow. Opportunity to grow. When it comes to doing the right thing, it typically is a great opportunity to grow. Sometimes certain opportunities are actually tests of our characters. Sometimes certain opportunities Sometimes certain opportunities are actually tests of our character. Our, we have this coveting nature just innate within our souls. That's why it's one of the Ten Commandments. Did you know that every one of the Ten Commandments is a commandment specifically against our sinful nature? Even when it comes to do not murder, Jesus says that if you even hate somebody in your heart, that it is murder. I mean, it, we are just, all of us, all of us, have broken every single one of the Ten Commandments when it comes to the standard Jesus set up. And even if you were to say, well, I've never actually blasphemed God's name, even when you sinned on a different account under the name of God, you blasphemed His name by your lifestyle. So we are all sinful. We are all, uh, we've broken every one of the commandments. But be that as it may, coveting is one of the most overlooked commandments in our American culture. It, it, we are told to covet. It's just not labeled that way. We are told that the, we, we love the teachings about the universe bending to our will. We, if you just put it out there, just stay positive, and if you could dream it, if you could see it, you could believe it, then it will happen. And all of that mantra is actually from New Age relativism, which is rooted in, uh, which is rooted in this idea to please yourself. It's completely contrary to this Christian lifestyle that Jesus beckons us to come into. And so our coveting nature leads us to believe that, that the whole world is created to please us. That the universe should bend to serve us. We often think twice about accepting, uh, we often don't even think twice about uh, accepting or taking something that we've been wanting because we just take it as a sign that we're simply supposed to have it. You ever notice that? But not every opportunity is meant to be taken. There's a great strength in showing restraint. When you, when you practice self-control and willpower, it takes great strength to restrain yourself. It takes great strength to be patient. It takes great strength to have something similar to what you want right in front of you, but deciding to wait, critically think, and pray if that's what you're supposed to do at that moment. Y'all dig what I'm saying? David wanted freedom. 
the form of freedom that appeared to him was in the form of murdering the king. It, would, it, it, made him, it gave the impression that it was going to give exactly what he wanted, freedom from this oppression. But it wasn't exactly the way that God had it for him. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Maybe the authentic blessing is after the test of the counterfeit. I believe that when we read scripture, there's often so many moments where a counterfeit answer to our prayers comes before the authentic answer. It, I feel like it's, it's best seen in relationships. A lot of people that are dating, like really wanting to get married, especially like in, in like Christian young adult world, it's like that, that's like 90% of the reason why young people go to Bible college. It's just so, so that they could meet their, their spouse, hopefully. And I'm exaggerating, Trey. <laughs> Trey's like, I, I. <laughs> And what I'm getting at is, is it's something that people desire so much in our Christian faith. And often, the first girlfriend or boyfriend they get, they're like, this is the one. Because I've been waiting, I've been wanting, and now this person said yes, or this person showed interest. And I'm so desperate that I'll take whatever first comes my way. And it takes restraint to say, wait, hold up. Is this really someone that's healthy for me? Is this really someone that's good for me? And often we believe so much in this coveting lifestyle to where it's like, no, the universe is bending to me. I wanted this and now I have it. It's here. It, it's God. And so we just say, yes, 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 instead of showing restraint, critical thinking, and prayer. And even for me and my wife, the per people we dated right before we met each other, we were so longing to have a companion, to be married. Not just a license to have sex in the Christian world, but a companionship, a lifelong friendship. And we both dated people, one person right before we met each other. And we tried to, we, we almost tried to force something to happen that was so toxic. And we both looked back and think like, dodged a bullet there, like, golly. <laughs> I can't believe I, I couldn't see so clearly how wrong this person was for me. And, but if we continue to just see every opportunity as God's blessing rather than a simple test of our character, then we will hurt ourselves. We will damage ourselves. If David killed Saul right now, he would have set up destruction for himself. Because uh, all throughout David's kingship, there's people uh, in Israel, people in Saul's family, that tried to slander him, saying that he stole the kingdom from Saul, when he truly didn't. He didn't at all. If he actually did, then he would have had so much division within his kingdom. He's one of the very few kings that lived a long life and transferred his kingship to his son. He's one of the very few in all of Israel. All the rest were killed before their time because of the division that they sowed because of the murder that they sowed, because of the, the injustices that they sowed. This was a moment not for David to take his kingdom early, not for a moment for him to get the freedom he's been wanting, but it was truly a test of his character, and he definitely passed. In order to, to do this, it takes a deep trust in God to say no. It takes deep trust in God to say no to something that is very close to what you've been waiting for. To believe God and His Holy Spirit's leading, saying no, 
when what you want is right in front of you, that's a powerful thing. And what it is, is it's a kind of trust it's a, which shows faith. And this patience is a powerful act of worship. I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to influence you to think that any opportunity is a test and that you should uh, run away from it. What I am trying to project is that not every opportunity that comes your way is good. That as you grow and as you mature, you're defined not by the, all the things that you said yes to, but even the things that you say no to. And truly, you won't be able to say yes to the right things if you said yes to the wrong things. Y'all dig what I'm saying? So let's look, critically think, and pray. And I believe that most times in these moments, the Holy Spirit leads us. It says that David's conscience was bothered. The Holy Spirit was impressing on him. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and leading you. And you know the moments where you just get this ugly gut feeling and it seems like everything is right, but you feel wrong about it. Those are the moments the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you into a right kind of testing moment instead of taking a counterfeit moment. Y'all feel that? Let's go to our next point, which is to honor God. Your integrity, your integrity is a form of worship and honor to God. Your integrity is a form of worship and honor to God. I think it's really funny how we often focus on super spiritual sounding things that are hard to grasp when talking about how to worship God. I hate those teachings that are just like 52 ways to find a deeper faith, to, to connect into deeper truths. It's like, that's a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's pulling these scriptures and these ideas out of scripture that aren't saying what they're saying. Y'all, have y'all heard some teachings like this? It's just like whack. It's weird. And s- people chase these high-sounded, spirit, super spiritual, meaning not that they're really, really spiritual, but that they're beyond spiritual. They're not spiritual. And, and they chase these things on how to worship God, but the Bible makes it abundantly clear that how we live is the clearest form of worship to God. It, people don't like it because it's overly simple. That how you live is a form of worship. It's the clearest form of worship to God. I think it's funny that even with Halloween coming up, there's a lot of Christians that think like it's demonic. It's evil. We did a whole teaching about how the Halloween that we know it was a, re- a Christian replacement to the pagan ho- uh, uh, fest- uh, festivities, <laughs> the pagan acts and uh, things of uh, paganism that were done before. And what do churches do today? We don't celebrate Halloween, but we do trunk or treat. It's a Christian replacement for the Christian replacement. It's ridiculous. It, we, don't, we don't do trunk or treat. We just, uh, we have a costume night. That's the same thing. It's a Christian replacement for the Christian replacement. And people get all on board with that. Like, oh yeah, because we're so much more holy. We're so much more spiritual. We, we don't associate with that demonic business. Don't get me wrong. Like There's like some Halloween decorations and stuff. Like, that's, that's demonic. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a demon. I don't even want that in my house. But there, oftentimes we, we make up these new rules 
to become more spiritual. And the very same people that would avoid Halloween altogether to be more spiritual live have huge integrity flaws. Treat people at their job like crap. Do, they do not practice what they preach, but they avoid certain holidays. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It is God cares more about our lifestyle, how we live, than certain days that we choose to celebrate or not. Let me read this scripture in 1 Samuel 15, verses 20-23. This is the prophet Samuel talking to Saul, the very king Saul that was chasing David down to kill him. This is a moment where Samuel said, Does the Lord have as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice, and to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as reprehensible as the sin of divination, which is witchcraft, fortune-telling, things like that. And insubordination, disobedience, is as reprehensible as false religion and idolatry. Since you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you from being king. So this is a really powerful moment where Saul was actually making all these offerings of, of rams and goats, but he wasn't supposed to do it. He was supposed to wait for Samuel to do it. And he's trying to be extra spiritual, but he's simply not living how he should be living. It's a perfect, clear example of how God cares more about how we live than all of the super spiritual sounding things that we chase after. To honor God is to live with integrity rather than spending so much energy tickling your ears with spiritual sounding mumbo jumbo. Start by simply reflecting on decisions and whether they are right or wrong, whether they are honoring to God or simply pleasing self. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was one of the greatest prophets who ever lived. He pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. He was the voice shouting from the wilderness, yet he, he had no deeper truths. He didn't have any secret truths that he was teaching. In fact, his, his message was as simple as can be, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Yet he worshiped God to the fullest in his life by simply honoring God with his integrity. He lived a simple life. He, didn't have, he had simple message, but he had great integrity. And because of that integrity, it made him greater than all these other prophets. It made him greater than the Pharisees that taught these deeper truths that were... Uh, and just extra credit, perhaps people often search for these deeper truths. Again, if you ever hear like deeper truths in a message, you're probably going to hear like something just crazy. Something in, in not even doctrinal. And it's just making something weird out of something simple. If you, whenever we search for deeper truths in sermons, it's people do that when trying to bypass simple repentance and integrity. They search for these deeper truths to bypass things like repentance and integrity in order to feel more spiritual without actually being more spiritual. But they are feeding their ego, not their spirit. Y'all think that was kind of mean, right? But. With that being said, let's go into our last point, which is don't let them stop you. Don't let them stop you. Don't allow people's betrayals stop you from doing good again. 
Don't let people's betrayal stop you from being doing good again. It usually takes just one betrayal for us to say that we will never do that again or to trust people again. But Scripture urges us to never grow tired of doing good. David gives such a good example of doing the righteous thing again and again, even after the first time seemed fruitless. Now, this story we read about David, and he chose not to kill Saul. In that moment, right after those verses, Saul said, I'm surely wrong. God, it's obvious now that you're going to be king. I won't chase you anymore. Just a couple of chapters later in, in 1 Samuel 26, it says, Now some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah to tell him, David is hiding on the hill of Hakilah, which overlooks Jeshimon. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's elite troops and went to hunt him down in the wilderness of Ziph. So we see again a moment where Saul breaks his integrity. He said he wasn't going to chase David anymore, and now he's chasing David. He has no integrity. He just goes by his emotion. He just goes by reaction. Whatever he feels at that moment, he just takes his, oh, this is what I should do. Well, the whole scene plays out again. Saul came looking for David, and while they were camping, God put them into a deep sleep, and David was able to sneak into the camp and stand right over Saul. And at this, in this verse, verse 8, it says, God, uh, his friend Abishai says, God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Abishai whispered to David, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. No, David said, don't kill him for he can, re- he, who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one. In this moment, you notice how the counterfeit seemed even more appealing His friend said, you don't have to do it, David. I'll do it for you. See, this time God is really telling you because I'm right here too, David. I can do it so you don't have any blood on your hands. And see how how very sneaky these counterfeits are to where it seems like it's even more appealing than last time. But David was still troubled about it. He knew that it wasn't the right thing to do. And he resisted, even though... The first time he did the right thing, nothing good seemingly came from it. It seemed, Have you ever had that moment where you, you, you really did the right thing, you knew it was the right thing, and it seemed like nothing good came from it? This is a moment for David. And while we often say, I'm not doing that again, we run from our faith, we say we're not going to trust people, we're not going to be generous with people, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. David chooses to do the right thing again because we shouldn't do the right thing with the expectation of results. This is the most important thing about this message. You should not do the right thing because you have an expectation of results. You shouldn't do it because you believe it's going to help somebody. You shouldn't do it because you believe it's going to come back to you in the future. You shouldn't do it for any kind of result You should simply do it because it is the right thing. And we like to believe that when you do the right thing, heaven opens up and it's just like sunshine and rainbows for your life. But if you've really done the right thing enough times, you realize that is one of the hardest things to do because you you start to realize how there are a lot of times where it seems almost fruitless. 
where it seems like nothing comes back to you and that you only gave without receiving anything back. Or even worse, you gave of yourself and the, the people that you gave to stabbed you in the back over it. It, didn't, it. it hurt even worse because of how you sacrificed of it yourself. And people not only took that, but they, they took more from you. And they hated you for it. It's in those moments where you have to set in your heart that you do the right thing because it's the right thing. Not because of what other people will do with it, but because you know it's the right thing. Don't let the responses of others determine what kind of person you are. Don't let how other people react to your right thing, don't let how other people respond to your goodness de determine what kind of person you're going to be. You decide who you want to be, not them and not anyone else. The truth is nothing that we do for God goes unseen. Even if we don't see it in this world and this life, we acted honorably towards God by keeping our integrity. And Jesus even says in the Word that greater is the reward. Greater is the reward when you show love to those who don't give it back. It says it's easy to love those who love you. But greater is the reward to love those who will not love you back. Talk about when he's saying to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you. God sees your heart in the matter, and it is honoring to Him when you choose to do the right thing even still. That is one of the most powerful forms of worship. I want us to, to close out on this, and I want us to really set in our minds and our hearts right now that this Christian life is not is not an easy one. Where, where else is perpetuating you to love those who hate you? I mean, does not social media influencers, whoever, TED Talks, tell us to just push away the negative? Push away, anyone that gives you bad vibes, push them away. Now look, I've taught a lot about, like, there's some really family members that are toxic in our lives that there's not a need to keep them around. You can, you can love them from afar. You don't have to abuse yourself in doing the right thing. But I'm talking in this, this, this message is completely counterintuitive about doing the right thing because it's the right thing, not because it's going to bless you, not because it's going to make a great change, but simply because it's the right thing. That is the most powerful act of worship. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're here, if you're listening to this message and you feel in your heart that God is impressing on you that the right choice that you've been putting off has been really making yourself right with Jesus. That alone has so much confusion for people because we think we need to get right with God before we come to God. But it's backwards. You go to God as you are. You go to Jesus as you are. And He does a great work with inside of us to where we change direction in our lives. We go on this new journey, this new path with Jesus walking with us. And we do not have to wait to become perfect before coming to God. That would, 
that would make Jesus' sacrifice on the cross pointless if we could do that. And if you're here and the right thing for you to do is simply change direction and, and put your trust in Jesus today, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He said He is, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead, surely you shall be saved. What that is saying is that if you simply talk to God and are authentic about it, acknowledge what Jesus did for you, surely you shall be saved. You don't need me to lead you through a prayer. You can talk to Him yourself. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you, so that you could talk to Him. And you didn't need me, and you don't need any other priest or pastor or anyone to talk to Jesus yourself. Have that conversation with Him. Express yourself. And make a decision moment in your life to say, I want to start walking this way. I want to start walking in, on this journey in your direction, God. Now, if you're here and the biggest part of this message may be about just simply encouraging you to not grow tired of doing good. Maybe you've been in a point where you feel like you've been giving and people have been taking and you haven't been seeing anything given back to you. You've been getting discouraged and God is just simply wanting to encourage you today and saying, don't, go don't grow tired of doing good. If that's you here today, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray that you encourage your people today, that you strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that you'd give a confidence knowing that everything that we do is seen by you and that you will, you will make all things work out for good in the end. We put our trust in you. We know, Lord, that our lifestyle is a reflection of our worship to you, and we want to worship you in great ways. Cleanse us. Purge us from iniquity. Help us, Lord, to, to really walk this path with you and give us a confidence and a grace about it. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. And before we do, I'm going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you. Have a great rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.